We often talk on the program about having the best and most winsome and most effective conversations about abortion. But what happens when we have a conversation that goes terribly, that goes badly, that we think about and we're like, I should have said this, I should have said that, and it just, it was a failure. How do we, how do we regroup? How do we work to make sure that the conversations that happen after this go better than that one? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pro-Life Guys podcast. If you've had conversations about abortion or if you haven't had conversations about abortion but have had other conversations about other topics, I'm sure you can relate to the topic at hand today. And that is, what do we do when a conversation goes badly? I've had bad conversations, and my wonderful co-host, who I'm going to introduce in just a moment, Cameron Cote, or right now, actually, Cameron Cote, has also had some terrible conversations as well. And that's what we hope to talk about today. Before we do that, Cam, how are you, sir? I am doing well. I, For those of you who don't know, Peter, you and I have been playing a couple games of chess of late. Uh, we've been streaming on Twitch and having some pro-life conversations there, and you have absolutely crushed me in the last six games that we've played. I played three games over the weekend on my chess.com account, and I won all three of them, so I'm up to rated at like a 1,200 rating now, which is pretty cool. Um, and so I'm up for a rematch, but uh, I'm doing okay. How are you, sir? I, I am also doing well. For those of you who are wondering, I don't know if you're Twitch users, twitch.tv, but we've been playing some games on Twitch. And so if you want to, we don't really have a schedule set at the moment because our schedule is all over the place from week to week. But um, we're thinking Friday afternoons, if it works, if it doesn't work, we do apologize. But that is where you'll be able to find us playing chess. Um, maybe there'll be other places as well. But anyway, the conversation today is not about chess, although, Cam, I'm very proud of you that you did win your games, and I look forward to another rematch uh, where we can uh, challenge one another once again. For those of you who are new to the podcast, we are two guys who are passionate about ending the killing of preborn children here in Canada, and this podcast is dedicated to giving you the tools that you need to change minds and save lives from abortion. We want to go past that stage of you know, after church on Sunday morning over coffee and cake, arguing about abortion and all the other things that are happening in society that we think are terrible and ought to go and the politicians and all of that. We want to go past that stage to the stage where we are actually engaging with the culture. We're actually having conversations with people who disagree with us on major points of views, including the topic of abortion. And so that's what we're doing on the podcast. If you want to learn more about pro-life apologetics, do check out some of our other episodes. We have some episodes called here, here's what we'd say to that, where we bring some arguments and some justifications for abortion to the table, discuss them, and highlight some of the ways that we would respond to those justifications if we were in a conversation. And Cam, how many conversations have you had, do you think, over the last decade? Oh, man, it, it's I, I'm pretty sure that it's over 10,000 conversations with random strangers about abortion. So I had a few. Right. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Cam has a lot of experience. I have way less conversation experience than that. But together, it's probably 15 grand, 15 grand, 15,000, 17,000 conversations. And so here we are. Now, Cam, the topic today is, you know, when we have a bad conversation, how do we sort of work to make it go better the next time? Now, we've all had those conversations where we didn't say the thing that we wanted to say. We didn't perhaps know what to say in response to an argument Maybe we felt frustrated. Maybe tensions rose between, you know, the two of us who were in conversations or maybe just the other person or maybe just myself. Um, and, and we gained absolutely no ground while we were in that conversation. And so here's what we want to talk about. And I'd love to pick your brain a little bit on how we can work to make sure that 
this sort of um, bad conversation doesn't become a precedent for the future conversations, right? It doesn't become, you know, sort of the standard. We have a bad conversation this time. We never think about it. We go on to the next conversation and we find time and time again that our conversations are terrible because we're not learning from the things that we are doing wrong, possibly. So I know you like to talk about three points. Uh, you're a three-point guy, which is great. I'm surprised you didn't start them all with R this time, like you started other ones with R. But here we are. Reflect, troubleshoot. I'm sure there's a synonym for troubleshoot that starts with R. So reflect, troubleshoot, and regroup. These are sort of your steps uh, as you think about challenging conversations you've had where it just did not go the way you wanted it to go. And so let me let me throw it throw it off to you right right off the top here. What do you mean by reflect after a conversation that went terribly? Maybe you have an example uh, of a conversation that you had, but walk us through what it means to reflect on that conversation. Yeah. So I, I feel like oftentimes myself and I'm sure many other people have a tendency, if a conversation doesn't go exactly the way you want, if, if somebody doesn't profess to you by the end of the conversation that they're absolutely pro-life and they want to get involved, that it's their own fault, that you did everything right. And it's just, you know what, they were just stubborn. They were um, stuck in their ways. They were this, they were that, whatever. It's their fault. They didn't change their mind. And and at the end of the day, I think it while it is important to recognize that um, Peter, both you and I are Christians. We recognize that it's God who changes the hearts and minds of those that we're interacting with, that we are obviously being used as tools to bring about that end and that it's absolutely valuable. And I would argue our duty and responsibility to reflect, to gauge and think about how our conversation went, to think about how that conversation could go better next time around. And that doesn't just mean conversations that end in absolute like barn burner brawls kind of thing. It, it's not just a matter of, well, the person didn't punch me in the face. Therefore, my conversation went pretty well. Um, I think that there's a whole spectrum of conversations that can be improved. I, I would argue that almost every conversation can be improved in one way or another. And there's tremendous value in taking some time right away and at the end of whatever activism or outreach shift you're doing to deeply reflect on how each conversation went. I know it can be hard to remember what's going on, but I think that if we're not reflecting, if we're not actually gauging what did I say, how was that responded to, and what could I have done differently that could have facilitated a better response, a better degree of engagement, a better connection with the person I'm talking to, if we're not doing that, then I, I feel like at, at times we're satisfied with mediocrity. And while we shouldn't be satisfied with mediocrity, we also shouldn't um, sacrifice the good in pursuit of the perfect. And what I mean by that is that this reflection should be something that prepares us for the next conversation very shortly down the road. And so in my brain, Peter, how this reflection goes, and I'm sure that it, it works differently for you and for other people who are um, doing outreach, when I finish having a conversation, I want to take a couple of, it might only be a couple of seconds, depending on where I'm doing outreach. If I'm at a high school or a university and I'm right into conversation right away, I want to still take a moment to reflect on how that conversation's going. And for me, that looks like a short prayer, just saying, you know what, Lord, help me to understand that conversation. Help me to understand what I just did there and what I can improve. And then I start thinking about, especially in conversations that didn't end the way I wanted them to, I try to 
pinpoint, the first step I do is try to pinpoint where that conversation, where I knew that conversation was off the tracks, right? It, it's probably not like when they walked away from me entirely. I, I'm looking for, okay, when did that person start seeming a little bit more agitated? When did they start rolling their eyes? When did they start their body language, the words that they were using, maybe even their attention span? When did they start pulling out their phone and checking their messages? Because that's a point that should be relevant in my mind that I have taken a misstep or a misstep has been taken either myself or themselves. Maybe they're uncomfortable with how quickly I progressed to that, that point in conversation. All that to say, I want to pinpoint where I recognized the conversation went off the tracks. And then I want to start working back from there because rarely is it a uh, an absolute conversation ender. I mean, maybe if I said something absolutely bonkers, it and it would go from a, a great conversation and then instantly turn into a bad conversation. But often the last thing that I said is, is just the a straw to break the camel's back and not actually the point where things started going off the off the rails. And so, Peter, that, that's kind of the first step in my mind to find that point, find where this person started to get agitated, find where they started to lose their attention and work back from there, if that makes sense. I, I don't know if that's the same as what you would do, um, but I, I've got a couple of examples of conversation that, that come to mind, if, if that's fair to share here, do you think? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I have an example as well, but take it away. Yeah, so an example that comes to my mind is a conversation that I was having down in Florida, one of our mission trips down there, Peter. So every, every year, generally speaking, we go down, we spend a week or two weeks on campus, um, campuses down in Florida, having conversations with people about abortion with a large display in behind us, showing the reality of what abortion does. And a couple of years ago, I had this conversation with a guy that after like an hour, hour and a half, he had to go to class, he shook my hand, and he gave me this statement of, well, this has been really neat. Thanks for the conversation. Um, I think we're going to have to agree to disagree if that's okay with you. And my eyes bulged and I was like, just the, the wheels started turning so quickly in my head of like, how could I have conveyed the idea that this is okay to agree to disagree on? How, how over the last hour, hour and a half, have I communicated to this guy that this is such a flippant discussion that it doesn't actually matter if we agree on it. So I, I tried to salvage the conversation in the last five minutes. But then after the conversation, I took five, maybe even 10 minutes to think about where did I plant that seed? That this is just two friends talking about something somewhat inconsequential. And I was able to trace it back to something I said, it, it, probably only 15 or 20 minutes, unfortunately, into the conversation where I said, you know, we can be friends regardless of where we're coming at um, this conversation from. And the way that he perceived that statement was that we can be friends, we can get along even if we disagree. And while I do hold to some element of that statement, I do hold that you don't have to be mortal en enemies with everyone who disagrees with you on the abortion issue. I planted this seed that it's totally cool if you don't change your mind on abortion. That isn't actually my goal. My goal is just to have interesting conversations and not productive conversations, not conversations that are actually going to change your mind. And so I was able to trace back to that point. And then for the next conversation I went into and many conversations since then, I've been able to implement this idea that, you know what, I want to build rapport. I want to 
be clear that I'm not asking you to hate all of your pro-choice friends, but that we do need to challenge them, that being pro-choice is not good enough, that that is something that needs to be remedied, as it were. And so that, that's a, a concrete example. I've got a few more, but let's. you said that you've got one as well. Let's hear about an example of how, how you've kind of processed a, a conversation that didn't go quite the way you wanted it to. Yeah, for sure. So this wasn't actually a conversation that uh, I do, like an activism conversation. It was a conversation with my neighbor. I was living on a university campus, a Christian university campus, and this was just before dinner time. I was going to record a quick TikTok video for our CCBR TikTok account, which uh, I'm sure is still around, but I haven't been on it in a long time. And I just wanted to go outside, record a video, go back inside, spend time with my family, help with dinner, that sort of thing. And one of my neighbors came and asked me what I was doing. And I said, "What this is what I was doing. And he said, oh, like, what's that for? So I shared with him a little bit about the work we did. And then he made a comment about, um, well, I, you know, abortion is okay, you know, and sometimes I don't think it's okay in every circumstance, but there certainly are circumstances. And and I was at this sort of place where um, I didn't want to have the conversation, but I also didn't want to leave the conversation. And so the result, I confess, was a sort of half effort conversation where I was like making social cues that I wanted to leave quickly, but also not making enough and like still engaging in the conversation a little bit. So, so cutting corners, um, uh, just in terms of the apologetics and some of the other things. And as I was thinking about this later, I was like, I should have done one of two things as I was reflecting. I should have either been like, hey, you know, the meat's on the oven. I got <laughs> meat on the stove. I got to go back, make sure it uh, doesn't burn. Or it could have been like, hey, you know what? Yeah, my wife's, uh, she, she can watch the food for a second while I have this conversation and actually like put my whole self in the conversation. Conversation went terribly. I mean, we, we still connected and, and we were still friends uh, to a certain degree. But uh, we certainly didn't make any sort of common ground or shift in the conversation that I was able to tell. And yeah, like you said, Cam, the importance of reflecting on these conversations. For me, reflecting on it, it was my own attitude coming into this conversation. It's like, hey, man, like the day's over. You know, I don't want to talk about this right now um, because I'm just not in the mood. And so, um, but yeah, just being able to just just being aware of the attitude that we have, being aware of some of those things that we say like you said, Cam, uh, in your example, would really, really help us as we sort of navigate our way into the next conversations. Did you want to share a few more examples before we dive into point number two? Oh, I'll share one more example that comes to mind. And this this wasn't so much a bad conversation that I had had, but a, a conversation framework that was working really well, but didn't resonate with a particular individual. So this was again down in Florida. It stands on, I don't know why so many of our stories come from Florida, but it, this one comes from Florida as well. Um, and, and this young guy came up to me and he said, do you think a mother can be allowed to have an abortion um, when she's a victim of sexual assault? And I launched into my common ground analogy question. He cut me off right in the middle. And he said, dude, I've talked to like 12 people at this display and I can't get a straight answer out of any of you. What is your problem? Why do you keep putting on this teacher voice and trying to like pontificate to me? just answer my stupid question. And it took me aback. It's like, oh my goodness, I have such a condescending tone right now. I was like, well, my friend, if you would consider this and this and this, then clearly you would come to this, this uh, conclusion. And, and straight up then I, I apologized. I said, dude, I'm, I'm really sorry. No, I don't think a woman who is sexually assaulted should get an abortion. Can I explain to you why I think that? And he said, yeah, for sure. I've just listen to like 10 people already give me a 15 minute spiel that didn't even answer the question of whether or not a woman should be allowed to have an abortion. I just wanted that answer. 
Now let's talk about it. We were able to have a really productive conversation. He ended up uh, changing his mind on abortion, but he was getting so frustrated that nobody would actually answer his question. And so again, this kind of speaks to the words that you're saying, are they resonating with the person that you're talking to? That There's a lot of tools, Peter, that you and I have shared on this podcast. There's lots of tools that are available to the audience, whether in written form or spoken form or whatever, that should be in your toolkit. They should be in your arsenal to apply, but you need to apply them in a way that's actually going to resonate with the person you're talking to. And so all this to say, reflect on where the conversation started going off the tracks. Reflect on where that body language changed. Reflect on where that tone of conversation or their attention um, changed and try to trace back where that could have come from. And at times you're going to say, oh man, I totally made a mistake there. I totally answered the question that he wasn't asking because I was assuming that that's where they were going with it. Or I, I totally tried to make this statement to this woman, assuming that what she was saying was not based on personal experience, but it was based on personal experience. Sometimes you're going to reflect back and find like, oh man, I totally did the wrong thing. At times though, you might say like, no, I feel like everything I did there was right. I don't know what I did wrong. And that's where I think we need to um, really take stock and, and kind of move into that second step of processing conversations that don't go the way we want them to, which is troubleshooting. So you reflect on the conversation, you analyze how it went and why it went that way, and then you start troubleshooting for how it could go differently. And this can start just with thinking about different ways of framing the same argument. Right, I, we, we talk often, obviously, about sexual assault and how there's several different ways to navigate conversations about sexual assault. We, we can think of the classic common ground analogy question. I agree with you, this is a, a heinous, violent crime that needs to be prevented in the first place, needs to be more thoroughly addressed after the fact. Um, we can build an analogy along the lines of imagine somebody living in a traumatic relationship with born children. We get them out of that traumatic relationship or we're going to kill those born children, if not born children, why pre-born children? We could go the route of, okay, well, um, if we're not even willing to kill the guilty rapist, why the innocent child? We could go the uh, several different routes of how do we respond to this with compassion? How are we going to say something that's going to resonate with them? And so we can troubleshoot academically the different arguments that we can make, but I think that it's also a question of as we're analyzing our own thoughts on it, we need to reference an external source to get out of our established paradigm and look at it from a different angle. And what I would strongly, strongly encourage is for you to chat with other people who are having conversations to get their take on how they would navigate those conversations, how they would troubleshoot the um, the steps that you've taken in your conversation. I do this all the time, not only with people that have even more experience than me, but even people who have significantly less experience than I do, whether that's new staff members, whether that's interns or even volunteers, just because I've had a ton of conversations doesn't mean I have all of the answers. Doesn't mean that I'm able to connect perfectly with everybody I talk to. I want to get feedback from somebody who's only come out to do pro-life outreach once or twice. I want to connect with somebody who is simply going to listen um, and respond in a different kind of way and get their take on my conversation and what they would have done differently. 
and really take that in. It's not just a matter of, okay, well, that's what Peter would say, but I think that's a silly answer because my answer is far better. But rather, no, this is how I augment my arsenal. And maybe I can learn not only from the words that Peter would say, but I can mine deeper into, okay, well, what would, how, how do you say that? Okay, so I, I've said those same words before, but like, how do you communicate that concept and try to build in from other people's experience things that they have found productive and helpful in their conversations? Does that, does that make sense, Peter? I'm, I'm sure that you probably referenced people around you as well, whether it's good conversations or even bad conversations about how they would navigate things as well, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've had many conversations with people. Um, yeah. Some of my managers, we had uh, Devorah Stacy on Humans of the Pro-Life Movement. Um, what was it? Last week or two weeks ago now uh, from time of recording anyway. And uh, just her mentorship in my life as well was key. I would stand beside her uh, to hear her, how she had conversations, hear how she had the, you know, what tone of voice she used, how she responded to certain arguments when certain arguments were brought forward. And that helped tremendously. I also think, though, Cam, uh, about just some resources as well that could be really helpful in um, just really giving us a good framework and understanding for how we can respond to some of the justifications and challenges we hear on the streets. Obviously, we have to bring this one up. It's uh, it, it's not the most in-depth, but certainly is comprehensive and certainly is um, like it just covers a lot of arguments and it's absolutely great. We've loved it, Cam, on the podcast and many of our listeners have as well. And that is the book by our colleague, Justina Van Manen, which is called Stuck, A Comprehensive Guide to Answering Tough Questions About Abortion. She brings up so many different arguments. She explains the argument a little bit and then highlights how we can respond to that, what sort of apologetics we can use to respond to that argument. I can also think of Stephanie Gray Connor's book, Love Unleashes Life, uh, which is a great resource as well, which we have used here at our, in our, our internships uh, for quite a few years. And then there's The Case for Life, which is by, help me Scott out here, Greg Kokel? Scott Klusendorf. Sorry? Scott Klusendorf. Scott Klusendorf. Oh, I'm sorry, Scott. Um, and uh, again, it's another in-depth look at uh, what we should say and why we should say it. I don't know if you have any other resources as well, if you want, if you want to share just some key elements that, that you find useful in these resources. So those are probably my top three. Um, similar to you, I, I have found other resources. I, I love listening to Trent Horn. I think that Trent Horn often takes a very academic kind of approach, and, and which makes sense. He, he's a, a brilliant guy. Um, he takes a very academic approach to a lot of questions, which I think may have limited value in the style of conversations that we're often having in that they're rarely formal debate settings. They're rarely going to be long-form conversation. But I think there's incredible wisdom to listening to content like that that is a little bit longer form whether it's him whether it's people like Scott Klusendorf or um, or others who kind of specialize in longer form argumentation to really understand the background behind the simple statements that we often share why is it appropriate to talk about this or that why does this um, angle on bodily autonomy work and what are we getting at let's get into a, a much deeper understanding of the bodily autonomy argument and then tailor it towards a shorter and shorter kind of delivery, I suppose. And so Trent Horn is a great resource, Persuasively Pro-Life is a great resource. Um, lots of others out there, but I, I also obviously appreciate audio content as well. I hope that we've been able to provide some of that content here through the Pro-Life Guys podcast on how to navigate um, 
different points as well to offer a different perspective maybe than what you've got. Uh, but that, that's kind of what comes to my mind as well, Peter. Perfect. And this is a great opportunity to say if you would like to purchase stock for yourself, for your spouse, for your friend, for Christmas, whatever it might be, uh, you can find the book on our website, prolifeguys.com slash shop, prolifeguys.com slash shop. Uh, we have more merch items there as well that you can check out, but do go check it out. It's a fantastic resource. Uh, it's one that I turn to regularly just to prepare for some of these episodes to make sure I don't forget anything. And I turn to it as well before I go out and spend time on the street. So go check it out, prolifeguys.com slash shop. You can also get a discount code for this book. How do you get a discount code? You do so by becoming a patron of the Pro-Life Guys podcast. You help us out, financially partner with us to make this podcast the best podcast that we can make it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's right. Best production, best marketing, and, and reach the most people. Um, and you can be part of the mission that we have here in bringing good pro-life apologetics to more and more and more people. And by doing that, there's, uh, there's some perks to becoming a patron of the Pro-Life Guys podcast. One of them, is getting discount codes for our merch shop. So go check it out, patreon.com slash prolifeguys. That's patreon.com slash prolifeguys. All right, Cam, here we are. We've talked about um, reflecting on the conversations we've had. We've talked about finding uh, options and, and solutions for the challenges that we faced in those conversations, sort of troubleshooting our way to make sure that we're more prepared for the next conversation. The third one that we have here, the third point that you think about a lot, you uh, train and mentor your team and, and interns that come through your office a lot with is the point of regrouping. What do you mean by regrouping, sir? What I mean by regrouping is having not only the humility, but also the commitment to take this um, troubleshooting feedback, to take it from yourself, to take it from the people around you, to not be intimidated by your quote unquote insufficiencies or whatever it may be, but to regroup and to go back and have more conversations. I feel like having bad conversations can be so discouraging for some people that it can lead them towards despondency. It can lead them towards, you know what, I am just bad at this. My bad conversations mean that I'm a bad apologist. And either I need to pursue something that is more um, in my, my wheelhouse, I need to go back and do something other than pro-life work, or I need to go back to the study hall and study my brains out until I, um, I know every argument and I can do everything perfectly. And, and as I mentioned at the beginning, I feel like pro-lifers have this tendency to sacrifice the good in pursuit of the perfect. And I think that we should accept the good as we pursue the perfect. I think that we should be pursuing better and better conversations, but we need to regroup. We need to kind of reorient ourselves. For me, again, that, that's going to be a prayerful. I, I started with the prayer of, you know, Lord, help me to understand this conversation. Help me to understand where I went wrong through the um, kind of troubleshooting, Lord, help me to understand how I can make this better. And then finally, Lord, give me the courage I need and grace that I need to apply this in my next conversation. And that's where I need to go. I need to go towards the next conversation and hope that my next conversation is simply better than my last conversation. Sure, if, if you've never had any formal training on 
um, how to have pro-life conversations, then you may need to be extra gracious with people as you're pursuing the perfect. If your good um, is is where it is, whatever that is kind of thing, then being gracious and saying like, hey, I want to be able to answer your questions. I don't know if I'm doing it perfectly right now. I want to be able to respond to this. I want to be able to do this and that for you. I don't know if I'm doing it, but rest assured that I want to be able to do this for you. As you're growing in your conversational ability, have that regrouping after every conversation. I remember my last Florida story that I will share. Um, the first time I went down to Florida in 2011, I went down with three other friends from Victoria, great friends of mine. And one of my buddies that came down, he set in his mind that he wasn't going to take a break until he changed his first mind. And that seems like a noble goal at the beginning of like, hey, I'm not, I'm not going to take a break until I've actually had a breakthrough and then I'll go get my snack and then I'll go get my water and whatever sort of thing. He had a couple of really tough conversations to start the day. And unfortunately, things started to spiral from bad to worse because he wasn't taking the time to reflect, troubleshoot, and especially regroup. He was carrying baggage from previous conversations into the next conversation. He was starting to make assumptions about where people were going to go based on where people had gone before, realizing that your experience dealing with several different people all in a row is entirely different than the experience of the person talking to you, for whom you are the first person who is talking to them about abortion. And so he unfortunately was not regrouping. He was not resetting between conversations and he was allowing these mistakes and and frustrations to build up again and again and again to the point where he hadn't had lunch by like 4 p.m. in the day and baking hot in Florida, his conversations unfortunately were not very productive because he hadn't taken that time to regroup. He hadn't taken that time to integrate in the ideas that he wanted to, reset and start a conversation fresh, bearing in mind the thoughts that he had from previous conversations. He had done the reflection, he had done the troubleshooting, but he allowed all of the negativity from the previous conversations to influence his future conversations, which in turn compromised um, those conversations. And so regroup, reset, know that you are, again, not the person who is changing hearts and minds. You are the tool that the Lord is using to change hearts and minds and that you need to um, do what you can to be a good tool. And, and for me, again, as I mentioned, that is resetting, that is saying, Lord, use me to your honor and glory. Lord, help me to better serve you and your preborn children in this conversation. Help me to connect with this person. Because sometimes the troubleshooting that you just did in the previous conversation is not going to be applicable to the next conversation. That person might be so entirely different that none of the themes are relevant for the next conversation. And so, Bear that in mind, regroup after every conversation, reset, clear your mind of the negativity. Um, and in some ways, I would argue as well, you can clear your mind of the positivity. If you just had a really, really great conversation, don't be too giddy coming into the next conversation because that too can compromise that conversation. However, um, regroup at the end of every conversation, prepare yourself for the next conversation and um Entrust yourself to the Lord and, and, and allow him to use you to his honor and glory in that next conversation, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense, sir. Thank you so much for that. And sort of like by way of conclusion, I think it's important to note that 
None of us are immune to making mistakes. Cam, you've had 10,000 conversations, as you said, off the top, minimum 10,000. I think it's more than that, to be honest. Um, and there are people who are having their very first conversation or their 10th conversation or 100th one. And I think it's important to note that every one of us is immune to is not immune to making mistakes. We have bad days. We have days where we have brain freezes. Yes, the more experience you have, the better you you become and the more you sort of um, mold the arguments in your mind so you know what to say when you hear things. But we all make mistakes. The, the challenge is, how are we going to respond to those mistakes that, mistakes that we've made? A lot of people don't reflect on the conversations they've had or the mistakes that they've made or the challenges that they were posed with in conversations. And so like you said in, in one of the examples you shared, you know, you just keep having conversations, but you're not getting any better. By reflecting, by troubleshooting, by regrouping, by training yourself to, to memorize better pro-life arguments or know how to respond when someone says this or that argument uh, or justification, by thinking and being being um, intentional about growing and learning in your pro-life apologetics, you will continually become a better and better pro-life apolog apologist. A better pro-life apologist will, will most likely, with God's help, change more people's minds. More people's minds that are changed will mean uh, that, yeah, less people will get abortions, more babies will be saved, and more conversations will be happening in our culture. Not just by people working in the pro-life movement, not just by people like us who do this perhaps for a job or or you're, you're passionate about abortion in your community group, uh, but other people as well in their high schools and their colleges, uh, they'll be challenged uh, effectively and winsomely with the topic of abortion, and they'll continue that conversation on as well, the good Lord willing. So it, it's, it's super important to uh, to recognize our challenges, recognize the mistakes, recognize where, th where things went wrong in the conversation, and then work to make them better. My name is Peter. That is Cam. Cam, before I say the closing, do you have any final sort of wrap up thoughts that you uh, are just are just itching to say? Just itching to say one final kind of like related, but a little bit off the beaten track kind of thought on this as well. If you have a really good conversation, you have a really productive conversation that um, you're you're having with somebody. At times, not always, but at times, it may be appropriate to ask them what was it that resonated with you. To get the feedback of somebody who's outside of our little bubble, outside of the pro-life bubble that we've all heard similar apologetics and all this kind of thing, I remember um, being surprised time and again by asking this question to somebody who I, I just witnessed changing their mind on abortion. I say, well, what was it that changed your mind on abortion? Because you came into this conversation saying that you thought that it should be allowed up until um, the second trimester. What was it that changed your mind? And in my mind, I'm assuming, well, it's got to be the human rights argument, or it's got to be this, or it's got to be that. And oftentimes, people will say, oh, well, it was this little thing that you said about how similar this is to other injustices, or it was what you said about really wanting the best for moms and not just the easiest for moms, or this or that, and just getting from them. What was it that resonated with you can be really valuable. And so there's not always... Uh, a circumstance in which that's um, appropriate even, I guess, like even some people who are still grappling with the pro-life position, maybe they've come around like, yeah, fine, I, I guess that all makes sense. I don't really like the fact that the pro-abortion um, position doesn't make sense. I'm, I'm an unwilling member of the pro-life movement or something like that. It might not be a great idea to just super probably like, hey, so what, what did I say that changed your mind? Like, tell me how great I am sort of thing. 
But if you have the right tone and you find the right person to really be able to like, dude, I've talked to 10 people today and I feel like I've had the same conversation with all of them. What was it about our conversation that really resonated with you? And that there can be a lot of value in that kind of reflection as well. And so that's just a one last nugget on my end, Peter. Um, and, and yeah, that, that's everything for me. Perfect. Thank you, sir. My name is Peter. As I said, that is Cam. To learn more about the Pro-Life Guys podcast, do find us on your social media, Pro-Life Guys podcast. Find us on YouTube. Find us on your podcast catchers, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite content. You can also learn more on our website, ProLifeGuys.com. I think this is important to note, Cam, if you want to get one of us to come speak to your community group, to your church, or uh, to your family, I don't know, maybe you <laughs> want us to come cool. speak to your family, uh, or whatever group you might have, do reach out to us. Uh, Cam, you do far more presentations than I, and you're a far better speaker than I. And so Cam would obviously be the, the top selection, but if you want both of us to be there, I would be humbled and grateful to stand by Cam's side and continue to learn from him. Um, but, but we like to talk about this to community groups as well. Our goal is to equip people to have good conversations, to think about abortion correctly, to think about conversations and to engage in conversations in the most effective and winsome ways possible. A lot of people don't do that. And our goal is to, to not sort of critique what other people are doing if they're doing it different than us, but present a way that we think is the most effective way. And so we'll have conversations about pro-life strategy, pro-life apologetics, and more. Uh, Kim, one of your talks is, I think it's like four reasons for hope in the pro-life movement, which is an exciting talk, talk as well. So if you want to reach out to us, if you want us to come speak to your group, be it in person or maybe on Zoom or some other video platform that you prefer over Zoom, uh, do reach out to us. You can do that on our website, prolifeguys.com. As always, check out our Patreon and consider becoming a financial partner of the Pro-Life Guys podcast. So not only are you listening to this content, sharing our episodes with your friends, but you're also helping us create better content and reach more people around the world. So do consider that. There's some perks there as well for our merch store and some extra perks, not just merch store related, uh, but other perks as well. So go check it out. Thank you so much, everyone. We hope this episode was helpful for you as you navigate your way through conversations, as you seek to have the best conversations and interactions as possible with people who have a totally different worldview and who think totally differently about the topic of abortion. Reach out to us if you have any questions, concerns, or whatever it might be, and we hope you tune in again next time. God bless each and every one.